It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is October 24th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Still basking a little bit. In the game on Monday, a magic win over the Boston Celtics. They had Tuesday off. They'll practice Wednesday and, of course, play the Portland Trailblazers on Thursday over at the Amway Center. On today's episode, I'm going to open up the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag. I answered some questions before the season started. We'll see if my answers have changed now that the season has started and we've got four games under our belt, the Magic 2-2, two and two, of course. Uh, and so we'll answer some of those big questions, kind of get into uh, some of the things that, that you've been curious about and wondering about here as the season gets going. But before I do any of that, I do want to remind you that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single other team in the NBA. There's a podcast covering uh, uh, the NBA as a whole from the national perspective uh, in Locked On NBA. There's a podcast covering fantasy basketball. There's a podcast covering football, every NFL team, fantasy football. There's, if you're looking for World Series, Locked On Red Sox, Locked On Dodgers is your place to get all the lowdown on the World Series. There's a Locked On podcast for everyone. Just go on to iTunes, search for Locked On, and the team you are looking for to download today. So, uh, before the season started, I opened up the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag. I wanted to get your your questions and, and hear from you a little bit about what you were thinking about, what you were curious about, what you were wondering about uh, before the season began. And and a lot of it is really about the future, about uh, Bamba, Isaac, and Gordon specifically, and, and a lot of curiosity about how this whole thing's going to work. And, and through four games, we haven't seen the big lineup yet. Um, no Bamba, no Isaac, no Gordon. We've seen Aaron Gordon out with Bamba. We've seen Gordon out with Isaac. We've seen Isaac a little bit with Bamba, not a whole lot. Um, there's still, I think, a lot of trial and error going on with the with the rotation. I think Steve Clifford isn't going to change his rotation so quickly. It's still very early in the season, so we don't want to draw too many conclusions. But, um, you know, one of the big questions is uh, that I got was, when are we going to see this lineup? And, and it's a very important lineup, of course, for the Magic to see. Mikey Clark asked on Twitter, at MikeyClark87, how many games into the season do you think it will take for Gordon, Isaac, and Bamba to see significant minutes together? Obviously, more than four because we haven't seen them together yet. And, and I anticipated this. I, I, I got the sense, and I think we're seeing it play out uh, here in these early games, that Mo Bamba's got a long way to go. That playing Bamba for any extended period of time, especially against starters, is to flirt a little bit with peril. Is to, is to You do that at your own risk, in other words. Um, Bamba, as good as he's looked for much of the season so far, as good as he's looked 
um, a, a, as a player and as a potential player, um, there's still a lot of work he needs to do. As good as he was on opening night, he hasn't quite matched that level uh, in the in the next three games. He's had some nice. He's had he had a really nice block on Monday night. Um, his defensive impact is still to be determined. I, I think he's still kind of learning how what he needs to do defensively. Uh, and, and honestly, I would say his defensive impact immediately has been a little bit less than I anticipated. Um, I, I think that, and this is not to say I'm disappointed in Bamba. I think Bamba's doing a really good job, and, and and there's a lot of growing pains and learning that he has to go through right now. But um, I would say Bamba affects shots, and you can see that he is making an impact defensively, but you can also see that he is still tentative out there and still learning and, and isn't as instinctual as maybe he was at Texas or, or, or as he will be one day. Um, the play against Boston when he blocked the, the jumper or the floater, that was an instinctual play. That's the, Those are the kind of plays you want to see Bamba making more of, but he's still getting down rotations. He's still understanding his role, and it's going to be a while. Offensively, he doesn't have much game other than his pick and pops and so and, and then running the floor, of course. Uh, so I think Bamba is far away, and so I don't anticipate him getting major minutes for a while. Uh, you know, I, I think I think it was right to bring him along slowly. I think the calls, especially after opening night, to play Bamba more were premature. It was just one game, and I think it's been shown over the last three games that yeah, Bamba is a rookie. He's very very raw, and it's going to take him some time. We will see the big lineup at some point this year. It's too important, too tantalizing, not to use. I mean, for crying out loud, Steve Clifford is trying Bamba and Vucevic lineups right now. And some of that, again, I think is Clifford's trying to get Bamba on the floor. And I think we're starting to see him scale back on that because the numbers do not look good on that group. But I will say that uh, I will say that I think Bamba is going to get there eventually, no doubt. Um, and, and when he does, it will be clear. Um, I, I think when, when Bamba gets to that high level that he needs to get to, it's going to be abundantly clear. And the Magic, of course, will take care of things from there. Now, the other part of this equation that, that I don't think we anticipated as much or we took maybe for granted is Jonathan Isaac also still has a little ways to go before you feel comfortable throwing all three of these guys out there. Now, remember, remember this about this lineup. That's three of the five guys on the court. Aaron Gordon is secure and knows who he is, for better or for worse sometimes. Uh, Jonathan Isaac and Mo, Mo Bamba, as I said, still developing, still growing, still you know doesn't really know what he's doing in the NBA yet. And so you don't want to throw that lineup into the fire until probably two of those three guys feel really comfortable. And so I didn't answer this when I did my mailbag a few weeks ago before the season started. Jonathan Isaac, I think is really the wild card in all this. Because I think we all anticipated that Isaac would be further along. Not that, again, not to say that he isn't playing well. Uh, he's had some foul trouble early on, uh, you know, but but and he's, he's trying to fit in. Magic aren't running a lot of plays for him. They're, they're treating him like a rookie. Because in many ways, Isaac still is. He had a great game Monday night. I thought he did a great job attacking the glass. His defense was solid. Uh, shot confidently. And honestly, big thing for big difference between Jonathan Isaac this year and Jonathan Isaac last year is this year, Jonathan Isaac is shooting confidently. He certainly has a higher comfort level 
on the floor and is playing like it. So, really the question here on when we will see Bamba, Isaac, and Gordon on the floor together, I think, is dependent on Isaac showing that comfort level is really high, particularly on the offensive end. We know what he can do defensively. Aaron Gordon has looked fantastic defensively too. I thought uh, in yesterday's game and Monday's game, even though Gordon didn't score particularly effectively, his defense was really solid. It wasn't just a closeout on Gordon Hayward at the end. I thought he had a really, couple of really nice closeouts, a couple of really nice defensive plays. Um, his rebounding was down from other games. He's been a terror on the glass all year long. I think entering that game, he was third in the league in total rebounds. Um, I, I really think that Gordon has played exceptionally well on that end. And his offense, of course, has been solid and, and mostly consistent throughout the year. The question is really about Isaac and whether Isaac takes his game to another level, whether Isaac um, shows that he's comfortable out on the floor uh, and and working and playing playing at that high level. And, and when he is that, um, I think that's when we'll begin to see the big lineup take shape. Uh, I'm not anticipating seeing this lineup until not the midpoint of the season, but just before the midpoint of the season, probably game 30, 35 or so. Um, I think Clifford wants to get everything kind of settled in, uh, you know, give Bamba the chance to grow and develop. And, and, and again, situ- I, I've been harping on this for a long time, putting Bamba in situations where he can succeed. Um, you know, simple situations. Don't put a lot of pressure on him yet. Um, you know, you know, set high expectations, obviously. You know, you give him a role, you expect him to fulfill it, but not make that role overly complicated. And I think we've seen that. And I think Bamba has performed admirably, and he's still got a ways to go. So again, none of this is to say none of this is saying, oh, Isaac's you know not where he needs to be, or Bomba's not where they need to be. They're exactly where they need to be. Their development, the Magic are taking it slowly. They're letting them germinate a little bit. They're letting them get their feet wet. Um, you know, maybe you want Isaac to move a little bit further along than Bomba is, and I think Isaac has, as he showed Monday night. Um, but uh, I think that we will see the big lineup at some point this year. I, I'm a little surprised we haven't seen it even for just a few minutes so far. Uh, in these early games, um, I think Clifford's trying to keep it in his back pocket. He knows it's probably not ready to really go out there quite yet. Um, but I think by the uh, certainly before the midpoint of the season, I think we'll see it as part of the regular rotation for the Magic. Of course, injuries will play a role in that too. I'm, I'm curious to see what would happen if, say, a Nikola Vucevic got hurt. Would Bamba go into the starting lineup? My suspicion is no. Clifford's on record saying Bamba is not ready to start. Um, but I'm curious if that would lead to Bamba's minutes increasing off the bench nonetheless. Like I said, a, a lot of questions about Bamba, and so I'll answer this one from Joshua Patterson at Joshua P36231731. Um, he asked, will Mo Bamba be treated in his rookie year the same way Isaac was, essentially being redshirted? Uh, remember that, that Isaac's quote-unquote redshirt year was because of injury. Isaac didn't get to play a lot. He only played 27 games last year because he missed most of that time with an injury. It wasn't that he was healthy and the Magic were purposefully holding him out or, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to keep kids' gloves on him. At some extent, they were certainly after the injury. Um, but last year, the Magic threw Isaac right into the fire. Aaron Gordon got hurt game two, game one, actually. Missed, missed the Brooklyn game, missed the Cleveland game. Jonathan Isaac was starting from day one, really from from day two, let's say. They trusted Isaac a lot, 
And yeah, he delivered. I mean, I think I think we all came away impressed with his defensive ability from the very beginning of that season. And so this notion of a quote-unquote redshirt season, I, I, I think that's a little unfair. Now, as I've said before, as I've just said, I do think Orlando is going to bring Bamba along slowly, especially. And you can kind of see a little bit of it with Isaac as well. I think that the Magic don't want to put them in situations that can rock their confidence. Um, I think that, yes, the Magic are trying to win games. They're not going to give up on the season before it really starts. They're 2-2. Two and two, You know, they're not tanking yet. And I think that was the approach again last year. So they want to put them not only in positions where they can succeed and grow and get experience, but positions that will help the team win games. I know uh, after that Miami game, there's a lot of calls to just start Bamba immediately. Worst case scenario, he just gets the experience, team loses, they get a high draft pick, all is good in the world. That's not going to help the team win. And honestly, I don't think that's going to help Bamba. He's just going to get beat up and destroyed. And what does that do to the kid's confidence? It's still a 19, 20-year-old kid, no matter how mature they are and they seem to be. And and trust me, Jonathan Isaac, incredibly mature kid. You just, I mean, listen... I'm not a big religious guy, uh, you know, in, in some respects I, I kind of despise religion, but if you listen to him give give his sermons, that is a, a confident, comfortable dude. He knows who he is, he, 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 he definitely, uh, um, you know, that is a mature, confident dude. Um, you know, I, I think I think that, uh, honestly, say, uh, again, I'm not going to get into the whole religious aspect of it, but to do what he's done, uh, and and again, even some of the faith things, to, to go through the, the faith transformation that, that he has gone through, I think shows uh, an extreme amount of maturity that you don't usually see in 20 or 21-year-olds, especially 20 or 21-year-olds in the position that Jonathan Isaac is in. So, I'm not, you know, they're, they're, they're mature men, but they still got a lot of growing to do on the basketball court and a lot of confidence to gain on the basketball court. Um, and and I think that, I, I really think that real experience is part of that equation. If they've got to be on the floor and Bamba is getting his time, about, what, 20 minutes a game maybe, uh, on the floor. They're getting their time on the floor. They're getting their experience. But they also need to do something constructively. Uh, I've gotten a lot of calls already to say, you know, Isaac had a great game Monday night against Boston. They need to run more plays for him. And, and to some extent, I agree. But that also has to be earned. And, and I think what Orlando wants to do is, certainly because Isaac is coming off injury, both in training camp and, and last year, I think they want to keep Isaac's role very simple. Just say, okay, here are the things we want you to do. Do them well, and then we'll expand them. And again, Isaac did that well on Monday night. Wouldn't surprise me to see him get a few more shots, see a little bit more of an expansion uh, on on uh, on Thursday night for sure. Bamba's the same way. Um, so Bamba's not going to get redshirted, if that's what you mean. They're going to put him in positions where they feel like he can succeed. So right now that means coming off the bench, uh, you know, kind of playing some four, running some pick and roll, pick and pops, very simplified stuff. Magic aren't asking him to do a ton. And that's exactly where Bamba needs to be today. That's exactly the kind of role he needs to play. Of course, we'll kind of see how fast he develops because as he gets better, you want that role to expand. And that's the expectation is that for both Isaac and Bamba, those roles will slowly expand 
as they get more comfortable and as they improve on the floor. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Like I said, uh, got a lot of questions uh, about Bamba, Isaac, and Gordon. They're obviously, you know, sorry, Evan, sorry, Nicola, sorry, everyone else. They're the future of this team. If the Magic have a core group of players that are almost untouchable, it's Aaron Gordon, Muhammad Bamba, and Jonathan Isaac. And so, Sirac Bamba at Omagic Money, asked, what are the biggest individual weaknesses of Bamba, Isaac, and Gordon? Can't really expand and grow your game if you don't understand your weaknesses. And, and these are young guys, so they do have a lot of weaknesses. Um, and I, I think they are important to note and important to understand, especially as you begin to try and see how these players can interweave and, and play together. Because yes, there are fairly legitimate questions about whether Bamba, Isaac, and Gordon can play together as a core three players. I think they can. Um, and I think this is a question I'm going to answer later, but I'll answer it now. I think they can. It's just a matter of improving shooting. So, obviously, all three could stand to improve their shooting. Jonathan Isaac is a better shooter than I think people give him credit for, but still has some work to do. Aaron Gordon certainly has worked very hard to improve his shot. And Muhammad Bamba has too. So, shooting is definitely a big part of it. Let's start with Aaron Gordon since I haven't talked a lot about him on today's episode. Aaron Gordon, um, the biggest issue with him is just the, the basic understanding that a star has to have. Yes, Aaron Gordon is the star of this team, or he wants to be the star of this team. Evan Forney and Nikola Vucevic have done a lot for this organization. Uh, the Magic are running a lot of their offense through, through them, um, but Aaron is probably the best overall player, at least with the most potential, um, you know, comp- you know, understanding realized potential as much as potential potential. And so the issue with Gordon is understanding how to get others involved and still find your own, finding that balance. And it's a tricky balance that a lot of stars struggle with early on in their careers, or at least early on when they have kind of stardom put upon them, is understanding when is it my turn? When do I have to be the leader and take over? And when is it someone else's turn? When do I have to make sure others are getting involved? It's, it's a tricky balance. It's a psychological balance as much as it is a, a team productive balance. And, you know, we've seen Gordon do better with this this year so far. And we've seen him still struggle with it a little bit. Gordon, I think Gordon's biggest weakness is his penchant for isolating and settling for mid-range jumpers. He wants to dribble around a lot. He wants to try and break guys down off the dribble, and it works sometimes. It's it's not a bad thing for him to do it. It's when he overdoes it, when he you know tries the first move and it doesn't work, and then doesn't get the ball moving, and or tries a second move. Gordon is at his best. Honestly, Gordon's at his best in transition, but Gordon's at his best 
when he is within the flow of the offense, when he attacks quickly, doesn't stand around, doesn't try and do, you know set his guy up for a dribble move or anything. That's that's not where he's at his best. And so I think a big part of this Aaron Gordon question that we have, a big part is finding that balance. Becoming a better playmaker. Taking smarter shots. Understanding when it's his turn to shoot. Getting to the foul line more. And, and of course, through four games, we've seen him improve on some of these things. He's made some great passes this year. He is working to move the ball more off his drives. At least to my eye. But we've also seen him fall back into some of those bad habits. Um, there was a scene in the second quarter of, of Monday's game where um, Gordon was Gordon committed a charge off an isolation attempt, came down the very next possession, tried it again, and Clifford called a timeout to cut him off. And you could see Clifford visibly upset, appearing to shout at Aaron Gordon. And Gordon, you know, not shouting back, but you could you you could sense there's a little bit of a clash there. And Clifford kind of dismissed it in post game, saying. You know, heat of the battle. You know, we're you know it, nothing, nothing abnormal about that in, that exchange. So you, you could see that tension with Aaron Gordon, trying to do the right thing, trying to understand the right thing, but still playing in a way that fits. I I I think his definition of starter. And Gordon's been better about it this year, but you still see those bad habits creep in. With Jonathan Isaac. I think one of the big things that Isaac has to do is to be a little selfish. Um, I think Isaac, Isaac's big issue coming out of Florida State, and it was a criticism that I, I levied at him, is that on offense, he tends to disappear into the crowd. Um, you can see his defensive impact, you can feel his defensive impact, but on offense, he sometimes just seems content to be another player when he is a much better player than that. I, 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 I've said this jokingly to a few other writers in the writer's room, and I'll say it jokingly now. If Jonathan Isaac had an ego, he would, be, he would probably have been the top pick in last year's draft. The physical tools are all there. Now it's just about, again, kind of like Aaron, Understanding the aggression and understanding the confidence and, and, and assertiveness to go get your own. When you're good enough, you have to sometimes go get your own. Aaron Gordon's learned that probably to a detriment. Now he's figuring out how to reel it back and balance it. Isaac's on the opposite end of the spectrum. He wants to get others involved or, or be a, a, a conduit or a spot-up shooter when he could be a little bit more. And so... I think that's the biggest mind frame change that Isaac needs to make is to say, no, I'm going to get mine today. You know, I'm going to go get an offensive rebound. He's, he's been assertive. He's been aggressive and assertive on the hustle things that are really tough to teach. But now it's about, you know, when, when the ball comes to him, sometimes you got to take that shot. And I think that's a big lesson for, for Isaac. Uh, Mo Bamba, uh, I think the biggest weakness for him is still his strength. You can kind of tell that that he gets pushed around a lot on the block. Um, it, it's nothing you can work on during the season. You can work on it during the season, but you really make those gains in the offseason. 
Um, his shot needs to continue to get consistent. Um, I, I think he needs to be a lot more active on the glass. Um, the big thing that I've noticed watching him now for, for these first four regular season games especially, he needs to be unafraid to use his, his length. And, and what I mean by that is, too often, especially when players are driving into the paint, his hands are down at his side. His arms are down by his side. He needs to be comfortable enough that when someone drives in the lane, his arms are up. Like, literally, there should be very few situations on defense where Bamba's arms are not up. And that just, again, just doing that, you don't even have to be in the right spot sometimes. Just doing that with his length is enough to disrupt any offense that's taking place in the paint. And so I'd like to see Bamba continue to improve on that. I think it's an instinct thing. I think it's a, I think it is something that you have to learn and practice and, and go through the most, go through the motions with. And so I think that is part of what the Magic need to see from Bamba. And, and he's got a lot of work to do, obviously, and a lot, lot to learn um, in the in the other case. So that leads to the big question that I got, and I, I hinted at it. I figured this was going to be here. Um, Hunter Henderson asking, I like AG, Bamba, and Isaac as individual players, but I don't see how they fit together in the modern NBA. The reason I don't see the fit is because none of them have the ability to efficiently create a shot for themselves or others. I believe that efficient shot creation is the premier skill in the league. So do guys like Nate Duncan and Daniel LaRue. It's this lack of shot creation that makes me believe we should tank in 2018-19. My question for you, that's me is why should we try to win this year? You say all the time that wins develop culture, but I believe that stars create the culture, and we currently have none of them. Embiid and Simmons changed Philly. LeBron changed Cleveland. Golden State was changed by a group of stars. There's a lot of truth in that statement because this whole stars creating the system or system creating the stars thing is a chicken or an egg problem. Recall that with Golden State, they never tanked to get their collection of stars. Stephen Curry was drafted 7th. Klay Thompson was drafted, I think, ninth. They created an environment for them to succeed. And then that drew in Draymond, I mean, that drew in Kevin Durant in free agency. They obviously drafted Draymond Green 42nd or in the second round. So, it is a chicken or an egg problem. There are elite star players that you can only get by winning the lottery. And again, it is a lottery. But I would counter with this. If you are a bad enough team, even if you have developing guys, if you're a bad enough team, you will lose games. The Magic last year tanked by accident. They had a lot of injuries. They were a bad team. The talent level that they had on the roster was not good enough to win most nights. That may still be the case with this Magic team today. But especially at this point of the season, you owe it to your players to set a standard and an expectation for them. Even if they don't quite reach it today. It's about setting the standard for later. We, we've talked about it a few times already. And I think the revolving door of coaches hurt this organization, this franchise, this Magic franchise, more than anything else that they've done. More than the bad drafts, more than the bad trades more than anything else. 
changing coaches constantly has really hurt the Orlando Magic. Because every time a coach came in to establish a system, establish a foundation, and that foundation hit a rough patch, the players just kind of gave up on the system. I think back to, let's, let's say when the Magic were 19 and 13. They, remember, 2017, or 2016, the Magic were in fourth place in the Eastern Conference in January. That, that season to a lot of people because a lot of people just disliked Scott Skiles and the Magic made a really stupid trade. But a lot of people don't remember or, or don't, I think, properly recognize that the Magic were a really good team that year. Again, they were 19 and 13. That doesn't sound super impressive. But they were in fourth place in the Eastern Conference when they traveled to London in January of that year, January 2017. The reason they made the dumb trades that they made was a moonshot to stay in playoff contention. Because playoff contention was a real thing at the trade deadline for this team. So, I... I, I think that there is value to giving the roster a chance to get the most out of itself. These guys are competitors. They're, 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 you don't make the NBA if you don't want to win. If you're not just a crazy competitor. I mean, it's hard to, to make the NBA on talent alone. And so I think, especially for young guys, as far as setting a standard and expectation and a foundation for them, I think it's really tough to acknowledge before the season's really even started that we're not going to win. That we're not even going to try and win. We're going to do something to, to sabotage the team. Now, you might be sitting there saying, well, the Magic didn't get a... Get a Solid starting point guard. And yeah, that's going to hurt this team. I think we're already seeing how much it hurts the team, especially late in games when, when they struggle to create good shots. And so I think it's it, it I, I think that this issue is one that's going to continue to come up, especially for this magic team. Um I think the way I think one of the biggest honestly, the biggest issue when we talk about this is how do you define tanking? What is tanking? I don't think any coach or any player purposefully tries to lose games. There is some chicanery, what we saw in that Wizards game at the end of last year. The Magic were not trying to win that game. At least the rotations they made were not trying to win that game. The players certainly were, and they did. I don't think you'll ever see players, you know, they may let go of the rope if they're 15 games under 500 and they're down by 15 in the third quarter. They may let go of the rope and be, I'm done. Like, I, I, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm not in it now. Focus certainly wanes as the season gets lost. And if you want to call that tanking, that, that, that happens. 
I, I never think it's a full, except for when the Sixers did it. But even then, I, I think that they were trying something different. They, they put out a scrappy team that, that they knew was lacking talent, but um, found some diamonds in the rough. Um, I, I think there was a lot of a method to that madness that, that is very difficult to repeat because it's very hard to do. And so, you know, it, it's hard to sit here in October and say the Magic shouldn't try and make the playoffs. I, I, I refuse to say that because that's not what this league is about. That's not what these players are about. That's not what any organization should be about. The Atlanta Hawks are probably the worst team in the NBA. The Chicago Bulls are already facing major injuries that are going to derail their season before it even starts. Those teams are not trying to lose games today. They're not. They're still going to go out there and try. Because that's the nature of this business. That's the nature of this sport. And so, um, the Magic should absolutely try and win this year. Because winning, A, increases the value of everyone within your organization. You want to trade Evan Fournier? He becomes more valuable if you're winning on the trade market to get something of value to you. If you want Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac to grow and gain confidence and build upon their careers, they need to make the playoffs. If you want anyone on this Magic team to be considered a star, they need to make the playoffs. If Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson never made the playoffs. And early in Steph's career, it certainly looked like that. No one would care how good they are. Now, they're good not because they made the playoffs. They're good because they are good players and and, and they made the playoffs, but so much more goes into that. And, and I think playoff experience is really valuable. Now, if the Magic make the playoffs, Aaron Gordon's probably looking at an all-star bid if not Nikola Vucevic, the way he's been playing lately as well. Um, that's valuable experience. As, as I mean, maybe it's been because it's been so long, but, you know, I remember the first time, I mean, I so, you know, the Magic missed the playoffs from 2004 to 2006. Those were my final three years in high school. And I remember, you know, I was a freshman in college, when the Magic got swept by the Pistons in the first round, didn't get a chance to go to any of those games. But in 2009, I did get to go to a couple playoff games. I was home for uh, my cousin's bar mitzvah, uh, and I went to game four of the Eastern Conference semifinals against the Celtics. And I remember, A, it was also a second round game, but I remember walking into that building, into the Amway, into the Amway Arena, uh, the Orlando Arena, and... Uh, and, and, and feeling the intensity of those games. And two, two thoughts crossed my mind. The first thought, and they're both related. But the thought was, I completely forgot, and I've been to playoff games before. This wasn't my first playoff game. But I completely forgot just how intense playoff games are. I had completely forgotten the feeling and the nervousness and this just this, this this feeling that every possession matters that comes with playoff basketball. And that was a second round game. And and so that, you know, like I, I remember seeing being there and, and comparing it to 
some of the other experiences I had going to first round games in the Tracy McGrady era and thinking, this is like double what that was. And those games were intense. You can't replicate that. And so if you can get your young players that experience, A, that makes them better. You can't tell me that Victor Oladipo, struggling in Oklahoma City, but Victor Oladipo getting to taste the playoffs didn't make him work that much harder when he got traded to the Indiana Pacers. I think it absolutely did. It wasn't just Russell Westbrook. It was that experience too. And so the playoffs always should be your goal. should always be trying to win. Whether you can or not is another question. But, you know, I, I, I'm on record. I'll still be on record. I firmly and flatly reject any notion that you should be losing games this early in the season for some lottery purpose. Especially now that the lottery odds have changed. Bottom four teams all have the same odds to win the lottery. If you're the eighth team in, in the league, eighth worst team in the league, you have better odds this year than you did last year to win the lottery. The top four picks are determined by lottery. The chances to get something from the lottery now are much greater for a team that is trying to make the playoffs. Whether that will change motivations at the bottom of the standings come February, March, and April, I'm still skeptical. But there's certainly more motivation now, or certainly more easing of the motivation, to go out there and try and win today. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone again for their questions. You can, of course, always submit Orlando Magic Daily mailbag questions to me online at omagicdaily at gmail.com. We'll open the mailbag up again, probably around Christmas, I would think. So we'll uh, so definitely, if you want to submit your questions, go ahead and do that. You can also Join the conversation. Ask me questions anytime on Twitter at OmagicDaily. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We'll talk about my article on Jonathan Isaac and why he's the X Factor for the team. We talked a lot about Isaac on today's show as well. You can, of course, follow and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find us on Twitter at LockedOnMagic and like us on Facebook at LockedOnMagic. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR_OMD, And of course, Check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com for the latest on the Orlando Magic. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.